Hey out there, thanks for coming back to our third podcast of Pastor Pat and Layman Dave, and we're talking about uh, Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany, and how uh, how we, even in the church, get them all jumbled up and mixed around. And The and holidays, we call we, them, huh? Just we can't for wait. For shorthand. We can't wait for Christmas Day, just like little kids. So we're going to bring in the different holidays and how we should make them special and separate. And uh, you know, you know, brother, it's too bad that word holidays has kind of been maligned a little bit because the word actually it, it's holy days. Holiday is holy days, but mm-hmm. now nobody wants to be too specific or exclusive. So instead of saying Merry Christmas, we say Happy Holidays. And I don't know about you, but I struggle sometimes. Do I, happy holidays back or say Merry Christmas? Are they into Hanukkah or Kwanzaa? I don't know. We should say Blessed Advent. Right now we should. We're yeah. Not even, we're not even at Christmas. That's right. Touche. Yeah, I know it. I, I, I've got no problem with the word holiday. In fact, use it myself. But I think this time of year, I like to be more specific and represent my Christian faith while being respectful and certainly mindful of other people, and they have other observances of what they consider to be, you know, significant days and stuff. But it's just, if, the problem is just keeping the sanctity of the holy days holy. I mean, that's yeah. a challenge that I think that we're kind of been talking about through the years. Before we get into our discussion, what are you drinking, brother, to celebrate these holy days? Well, I'm drinking uh, Stone's uh, Tangerine Express IPA. And the reason I'm, I I chose Tangerine Express is that I remember uh, when I was a kid in my stocking getting tangerines. It's uh, one of those things that gets put in You're your stocking. You're an old man, you know? brother. Yeah, tanger, tangerines, <laughs> tangerines and, pe- and nuts, and pe- peanuts and things like nuts, that. So, yeah. so I'm I'm drinking Tangerine Express. Just uh, you know, you since we're talking the stink about stink eye from the kids and grandkids these days. Here, Merry Christmas. Here's a bag of oranges and some peanuts. <laughs> That's it. Have at it. Merry right. Christmas. Yeah, you got nothing else. Where's so, my oh, that, dad? Where's my right. iPad? Get that yeah. in an ugly tie. So, <laughs> well, so what got, are you drinking? I got um, Firestone. It's a California uh, brew, Firestone Parabola. And it's one that when you and Judy came out and visited Lulu and I, we went to a Firestone not too far uh, from here. And we had it. And it was, if I remember, it was right around the holidays, but it's a, it's a uh, imperial stout, which is a favorite of mine. Mm. And I got to make a confession here because, uh, you know, when you go shopping for Christmas presents and stuff like that, and it's, it, it, you're seeing all these things out there, uh, it's, it's tempting to kind of buy something for yourself. So I thought, you know, what do, what do I want? I mean, less and less I want things. And, and that desire for presents under the tree is, even, you know, I used to love it even at my old age, but I'm less and less inclined and more and more focused on the gift of, of God's Son, our Savior. But I got to tell you, when I saw this, and it's not out all the time, it's, uh, gosh, it's even numbered, uh, this one here. And so it's a special brew. And I said, you know what, I'm going to buy that for myself and my own Christmas gift. And then I kind of felt bad later, like, that's that's not a Christmas gift when you buy it. Do you, do you ever buy anything for yourself for around well, Christmas time? Uh, I'm a little more sneaky than that. I'm pretty uh, well. I'm a really terrible gift giver. I, I and I got. I mean, I, this is a confession of mine. I don't like buying gifts for people because I, I, I don't know what they they want. And and I mean, unless cash. they tell me exactly what they cash. want, then then they want then cash. yeah. 
<laughs> then then I'm right on it. I'm right on it if I if if I know uh you know I can go and I, and then I'm happy. But if I have to guess, I don't. So you so don't like, get a, a list of ideas uh, from the family? Uh, or? Not really. Well, sometimes. But, you know, I'm always just petrified of getting the wrong thing and then having it be a waste and sit, sit in somebody's corner and then them feel bad about taking it to the or Goodwill. Worse. Or yeah, worse. Yeah, exactly. Or worse, seeing it in a bag like in two months is something that you bought that you thought was special. And then it's right. kind of cast by the wayside. So, it's my, stressful. My, my sneaky nature does is like with Judy is, is I'll say, hey, instead of buying each other gifts for Christmas, let's buy something that we both want. And then, uh, you peace know, on earth. Yeah. <laughs> Some, I'll do something I'll get like you peace on earth. I'll do something like that, which is not good. But yeah, I mean, but here we are. We're talking about not rushing into Christmas. And here we are. We're talking about Christmas. So it's let's tempting. back up. Let's it's let's tempting. Let's, let's I mean, it's it all around. Us. It's been around us since September. And that's the problem. I mean, Costco started putting out in our neighborhood I know. stores I know. Christmas trees and lights and, and all the paraphernalia that goes with the holiday, well, which uh, may or may not testify to Christ. I mean, some of these we're brainwashed. We're brainwashed. But yeah, That's you're right, though. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Advent. So let's, let's back up the truck. Do, 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 do. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the actual... A season that we're in, the church season of Advent, Advent. right? Latin meaning coming, right? And uh, we talk about in uh, the the Lutheran Church, uh, our brand of Lutheranism, uh, LCMS. We we talk about um, Christ's second coming uh, before right. we talk about his coming, uh, right. because we're waiting for Jesus to come back, and it's an important part of the church season the season of advent that gets overlooked i think it uh, is and that you know what i love about that is it, it it's like a string of pearls it's not a linear thing the church year where we left off sunday of the fulfillment talking about jesus's return the church picks right up with that in advent you'd think okay now we're done talking about jesus coming back for us now we're going to talk about christmas and we're going to start the whole cycle all over again but it's not as abrupt of a break as that. What's really going on is that there is a transition that takes us then from the return of Christ to the advent of Christ. Yes, Bethlehem, but also at the end of time when Jesus returns then to take those who are waiting for him in faith. Because that's, that's the whole thing about where we left off and where we start with advent. It's about waiting and it's yeah. not just waiting for Christmas. You know, we got our advent calendars to count down the days. And uh, that's one good thing I got to say that I see out there with uh, Advent is I'm starting to see kind of Advent calendars, which mm -hmm. I never used to see that stuff before. The church, of course, we have our, our Advent wreath, the blue candles. Some, like our own, have the pink candle. It's a penitential season. And I right. think even as, Hence as Christians, we don't, we, we don't want to associate uh, you know, being sorry for our sins and compare it to Lent when Christmas is around the corner. Who, who wants to be talking about being a sinner and hearing about John the Baptist, the axe is at the root, God's bringing judgment. Who wants to be talking about that when people are baking cookies and partying and office uh, shenanigans and all kinds of stuff? And we really, it's, it's unfortunate because the reason why we celebrate Christmas when it comes with such joy it's the message of the Savior who has been born. Save us from what? From the mm -hmm. fact that we're sinners and that right. he's going to raise us over death 
And when he comes back again in his glory, he's going to take us to the eternal life of heaven. So all of this needs, you know, you get ready for your house when you're going to have uh, an important guest come over or you have a celebration. Advent and uh, Lent, it's, it's sister uh, season, kind of, I've always believed, functions in that way. We're preparing our hearts. We're making ready our hearts to, to receive our king. Right. And, which is the other part that a lot of people forget with the blue. It's not only, or even purple, it's not only that this is a penitential color, but these are the colors of royalty. Because right. Because we, we await the coming of our king, the advent of our king. Right. And and we should be uh, we should be uh, penitent. We should we should feel sorry for our sins and and think about why Jesus had to come in the first place. Right. Uh, you know that he he came as a savior because we cannot save ourselves. Uh, so we, we should dwell on our sins. We should we should think about you know we should think about uh, Jesus hanging on that cross, even though Christmas is around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and and. You know, that, li- uh, that little baby grew up to die on the cross. Right. And I think if we leave, and, and I, think, I think people want to keep Jesus in the manger, the little baby, tiny baby, because he's not threatening. He yeah. doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, well, he doesn't expect anything. He's a baby. Yeah. So, I mean, how harmless is that? That's, I think, how people like God. You know, he's either out there in the clouds somewhere where we don't think about him, or he's the cute little baby in the manger, and we all put up our little cards yeah, and stuff. Like, uh, Ricky Bobby was, I, I want to pray to baby Jesus. He's my favorite. <laughs> he is, know? yeah. Who doesn't like baby Jesus? I mean, uh, it's... He's my it's, favorite Jesus. Is yeah, the baby Jesus. Cause, cute, cuddly. Cause a, a baby doesn't come in judgment. No. A, a, uh, you know, a baby can't uh, tell you that you're a sinner, you know, that you need, you need a savior, you need to repent and believe the good news. So... Uh, yeah, I, I, maybe this is this is why I think uh, that's the world... why Advent is, is not a big yeah. deal. And, and yeah. but sadly, less and less so in the churches. And I, and I say this is a is a message maybe of both rebuke and encouragement to kind of hang on to Advent out there, uh, brothers and sisters who are listening and and a, a part of the church's worship life and stuff. You know, su- support your pastors when they you know want to kind of slow down the process a little bit and not hasten all of the activities and things uh, that bring Christmas too soon. I remember we were taught, I went to Fort Wayne, uh, Concordia Theological Seminary, and our professor on, on Lutheran worship, which was the first year class, man, he would have been, I don't know if he's passed or not, but he'd be rolling in his grave with the, you know, the Christmas carols and all the Christmas music during Advent. I remember it was drilled into our, into our brains let Advent be Advent. Yes. You don't, you don't start singing Christmas carols until Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and you carry that forward for the 12 days of Christmas. Right. Culminating then with Epiphany, the Gentiles' Christmas, the visit of the Magi and stuff. And it's, it's hard because everybody's got plans. They're all, they want to be here, there, and everywhere. And some of them legitimately maybe are traveling some distance, so they're not going to be around by the time Christmas Day comes. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, you know, people are out of town. And yeah. so they kind of want to get their church time in beforehand. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I still, I saw a church uh, uh, in our, just up from where I live, they're not even doing Christmas Day. Their Christmas Day service is going to be the Sunday beforehand, which is the fourth Sunday of Advent still, but they're going to be doing uh, their Christmas celebration on their December 22nd. So no Christmas Eve, no Christmas Day. It's just, I guess, too much of a bother. So, And part of the reason, I think, is is because we have been so 
celebrating Christmas for weeks and months, and even in the church sometimes, that by the time it comes, we're just done. We're exhausted with Christmas. You know, you know let, let, put, let's put little baby Jesus away and the snowman for next year, and uh, we got to rest now. And that, we should no. be just ramping up. See, well, yeah, repenting- I mean, the, the, the world is just is gone nuts. And, uh, you know, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, you're, you're expected that in your neighborhood, you're supposed to be putting up your Christmas lights and putting up the Christmas tree and the tree lots are open and every store yeah. has got nothing but Christmas, right. uh, Christmas decorations. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, so it's, it's no wonder that, 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 People are, have nothing else on their brains other than, other than Christmas and the commercialism of it. Well, it's uh, supposed but, to be Christmas Eve is when you put the tree out. Yeah. You know, sometimes Luther has been wrongly credited with bringing the Christmas tree into, into uh, the Christian's home. And that was already a practice. Didn't the they used to hang it upside down? That, Wasn't I don't you, know. I think I, I've seen, I, I I think I've seen pictures of that, actually. I think but, originally it was hung upside down, which is weird, but yeah, okay. Yeah, it's got something to do with the winter solstice. I know that, and I guess I, be that as it may, you know, Christians have rightly looked at it as being a symbol of life uh, in a dark and 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 cold, dreary time. So it's an appropriate carryover into our observation. But Luther, as I understood, is the guy that started putting lights. Actually, candles, which probably wouldn't be very smart <laughs> today. Yeah. How many houses have gone up on Christmas right. Eve? Because, oh, yeah. You know, yep, so he yep, brought yep. In, the, in, the, in the lights and stuff. But the point, though, is that the timing. It was Christmas Eve that you did that. Right. And, and then, you know, was the celebration and all the fun and activities that went, went with it. Because you've been preparing for it through, rightly preparing it through Advent, through penitence, and remembering that Christ who came in Bethlehem, grew up, was crucified for your sins and risen, and is coming back again, now, now you've got something to really celebrate. Okay. And that carries forward yeah. then for those 12 days. But uh, kind of going back and looking at Jesus' second coming, can I read uh, Luke 21, yeah. 25 to 36? Because I think this is, uh, this is kind of important, kind of going to what we're saying. Uh, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear, with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Uh, now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up. And raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So this is really talking about the final day, the the, yeah. the last day on Earth. And I um, need Santa Claus who's coming to town. It's not baby Jesus either. It's no, the King it's, of Kings and the Lord and of Lords. And he's coming to judge. Uh, yeah. And so this is this is why this is why we need to be ready. Um, we need to have oil in our lamps. You know, we can't be we can't be asleep. And, and get up at the last minute and and follow follow everybody uh, everybody that, else you know and that needs to be part of the Christian Christmas conversation that's part of the narrative that the world doesn't want to have they mm-hmm. want to keep it all fluff and they even want to talk about peace on earth goodwill to men but they don't understand that that true peace is reconciliation between God and man through right. Jesus the one mediator 
Yep. So how can you really celebrate peace on earth without celebrating it is Jesus that this is about? It's his, uh, his advent in Bethlehem, certainly where God was made flesh. Well, let's talk about a little bit now on Christmas itself. You know, that where they kind of rang the advent bell or does it have a bell? I don't think it does. <laughs> I, but I, guess I'm, I guess I'm being... We've lit, uh, we've lit the advent candles uh, here and, and, and we're still in the midst of it, I know. But, but let's, let's get to that part about Christmas. What do you think about... You know, have you ever tried to dissect the the incarnation, what happened in Mary's womb? Yeah, yeah I know you and I have talked about this before because, uh, you know, my imagination is just as simple as the rest of me. So, uh, you know, I remember us sitting in your backyard talking one time and I thought, you know, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if the Holy Spirit placed, uh, you know, placed, placed the second okay. Adam in Mary's okay. womb. Without her, a fully cooked Jesus. Yeah, yeah, without her. Well, no, no, not just like a, you know, like a, like a surrogate mom kind of thing, oh, like okay. an in vitro kind of thing. But uh, you know, from she, on she, high, she was just a vessel. I think. Well, yeah, because you know, about. in my in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, Mary was, you know, now Rome would say that Mary was uh, uh, was sinless born sinless like jesus and that's why right. she could bear a sinless son i think that's conception that's why they stuff. had to in, invent that probably because they're thinking of the same thing i am is how does a right. sinless man come from a sinful human Woman. being um and so and so my mind i'm trying to wrap my mind around around that and um i think know. the key there is the holy spirit is conceived by the holy spirit so Jesus receives his humanity through Mary, her, right. her, you know, cells or DNA, whatever biology we're talking about, physiology that makes a person human, uh, but yet without sin, because he didn't have an earthly father as well. And right. the virgin birth, that's the whole, that's the point of it, not, you know, how, how special Mary was besides, I mean, yeah. Oh, she's blessed for sure. She and, was. And favored are you among women. We got amen. no argument with any of that stuff. And, um... God bless her. I look forward to meeting Mary in the kingdom of heaven. I'm sure a sweet gal. But was there anything unique about her beyond that? Um, not so much. The Bible rightly doesn't, you know, talk much about Mary's credential, like why her, um, other than she's a virgin and mm -hmm. fulfills then Isaiah's prophecy, 714, that a virgin will bear a son. And, and her, Matthew her, takes that up. Uh, her faith, for sure, had to be. You had know, to be. I would like to think so. There might, right. You know. She must have been, uh, as, as God would reckon these things, there must have been some devotion and piety in her life that, that uh, uh, God took note of. Um, obviously, her role, and for that matter, let's give Joseph a nod while we're at it. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. He, Tremendous he faith. In, he hung in there bravely. Tremendous I mean, he was going to divorce his wife quietly. It shows a man of, of restraint. Integrity. He could have had her stoned, but he doesn't. And uh, it just kind of said, well, gosh, she got knocked up by somebody else. I'm going to just uh, gracefully bow out. And then the angel comes and says, no, what is conceived is her. It's conceived by the Holy Spirit. And uh, so then he, he hangs in there, too. So Mary and Joseph have their place, you know, uh, yeah. at, at the nativity and certainly in the life of Christ. For how long Joseph was around afterwards, um, we don't know. He certainly wasn't at the cross. So perhaps and probably likely he was a much older man than Mary, who could have been, by our standards, a very young woman, young girl, uh, but uh, of, of childbearing age. 
And, you know, all those questions, did, did, uh, did they have children afterwards? Uh, obviously, Jesus speaks about his mother and brothers and sisters. Sure. Were those through Joseph and Mary later, or did Joseph have a family before and then married into uh, uh, Mary, and then uh, Jesus is born, not by him, of course. So these are things, you know, I guess uh, the that Bible would doesn't be a, answer and aren't yeah, important maybe it, for us to... Yeah, I, I don't know that that would be a real marriage, though, would it? Uh, that would be... <laughs> That would be really, really sad for family, Joseph. The first, the first blended family. Um, yeah. The Christmas, the Christmas story is a blended family. No, But, um, you know, I guess in my mind, but I was back thinking. Back to how, you know, how, uh, how Jesus was conceived. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. And yeah. uh, if God sure. created Adam from the earth, God can create another human being uh, in the same fashion any way he wants. But then, I, you know, uh, it, it, it brings up. You know, Jesus was 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 made in the likeness of human uh, of of sinful human flesh, yeah. um, and not that he was uh, sinful, but in the likeness of sinful human flesh. Could, and so that's been, yeah. Jesus it, couldn't have been sinful, or otherwise his death would not have made any more atonement than if you or I were nailed to a cross. Oh, absolutely. Um, and but you know, I, I you start looking at the genealogy and. Um, how Abraham's uh, Jesus is referred to as Abraham's seed, the one that would come through Abraham's line, um, and that through Mary. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I I I believe that uh, Mary was Jesus's actual mother. Oh, uh, surely, yeah. Theotokos, you know, the mother of God, and we Lutherans are rare among Protestants that while we don't venerate in any way idolize Mary. You know that that title, uh, the mother of God. That that fits. That's what she is. I mean, the angel Gabriel said that you will you know bear the son of God. So uh, uh, we shouldn't be. We got to be careful with Mary to, to in, in a sense, not ignore or villainize her in any way. But also, much more the problem uh, to elevate her to the point of some co-redemptress that Mary takes the role over of Christ as our oh, mediator. Right. That's, I think, our concern, I, and always that's has been the Lutheran concern. Yeah, we have, a, we have Jesus to pray to. We have Jesus who mediates for us before the Father. We don't need Mary or saint or any of that stuff. And that's, I think, one of the, the great misunderstandings that, among many, uh, that go along also then with Christmas is, is you know, what, what's this all about? Is this, you know, is the spotlight on Mary uh, uh, or on Jesus and it is clearly scripturally on Jesus. Even the wise men that that come, yeah. which are not, you know, they're in every nativity set out there, but um, they came maybe up to a year later. The Christmas family, Mary right. and Joseph, weren't now in the grotto or wherever they were because there was no room in the end. They're in a home, right. Matthew tells us, as the star is overhead and guides them. So they're not there. I mean, they're all, these are supporting cast to the Christmas story. And they... And the angels, too, for that matter. Let's get them in. And the shepherds, let's get them in. These wonderful surrounding cast. But the message of Christmas is always about Jesus. For under you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Even, God bless him, Charles Schultz in Charlie Brown yeah. Christmas. Yeah. About the only Christmas Luke cartoon too. out there that says that. And I go, I'm so glad that gets airtime oh. every year with all the other Rudolph and... 
yeah. Frosty the Snowman and Santa Claus and all that. And I'm not some Grinch or something myself to say. My kids watch some of that stuff, and I grew up with some of that stuff too. But I was grateful that I had a had Christian parents in a Christian home, and we were faithful in our worship life uh, and the Lord's house and around not just the holidays but throughout the year, that I knew that was not the story of Christmas. We, we didn't grow up with Santa Claus. I don't know if you did. Right. But um, uh, I I did, and uh, I probably like a lot of kids. Um, <laughs> my parents overslept one Christmas morning, <laughs> and so we we uh, a slacker. So so I get up first, We're right? And, and I'm waking up my brother and sister. I'm like, it's Christmas morning. It's Christmas morning, and we all run into the living room, and there's good. nothing under there's the tree. Nothing. And yeah. so we're, so my parents get up cause we're wailing. We're just yeah. wailing in the living room, crying that we were bad kids. Yeah. We were bad <laughs> kids and, list. and Santa didn't leave us anything. And then my mom comes flying in back in your rooms, yeah. back in your rooms. <laughs> and then all we, we hear, we hear this Santa rustling got, in the, in the hallway. He took a yeah. left turn at Albuquerque. And 10 minutes later, she opens the door and, and, oh, it's Christmas morning. And we all walk out and. Uh, my brother and sister were still young enough where, yeah, she, they she bought it. They bought she the, told She told some roots. story. Yeah. She told some story about how, oh, Santa, Santa just came. He just got <laughs> one of the reindeer. And, 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 and of course, of course I was old enough. I was the oldest. So I was old enough to go. Yeah. So right. when did you finally figure it out? How old were you when you realized That's the day Santa I was, was just uh, a, a line? I was probably seven or eight when that happened. Okay. So. Yeah. Oh, uh, See, we we, ne- we never had it. Not uh, I, I'm, to this day, my mom would sometimes I don't know why, but she'll say if she doesn't want to say mom or dad, they get you know it's too it's too pat from mom and dad is usually how it goes. But once in a while, she'd throw one in there from Santa, and I could never figure that out because we never not one day we never were taught Santa. We weren't my my daughter. We got a we got a uh, and we didn't raise our kids with Santa because my daughter she goes to school. This is I think um, Anna and she's in third grade, and uh, her teacher uh, sends a letter back and she says because she knows I'm a pastor and we're a Christian family and all this stuff. Apparently Anna, as a third grader, was like making this public stand that yeah Santa is just a lie. He's a lie. There's there's no Santa, and it's, this is about baby Jesus. And I was so proud of her to do that, but. I guess, you know, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Drake said politely that, you know, I know you guys have your beliefs and, you know, I, I don't really, you know, I, I don't argue the point, but, you know, I don't want to take that away from the kids. So we did. We said, okay, Anna, I guess, you know, in, in, in public school, uh, you just, you know, don't, don't take away people. We had, <laughs> we had fantasy same, just yet. There'll, there'll be a day for that, but not just We had yet. the same exact experience because... Uh, Judy and I, uh, we raised uh, we raised uh, the kids, uh, and we told them the you know the story of Santa Claus, how that became. We told about Saint Nicholas and how he was, he left little gifts for the for the kids on Christmas morning to as an object lesson. Yeah, yeah, as an object lesson, and so you know uh, they they, uh, they we told them though about we kept Jesus front and center. It's all about Jesus. And I had the same kind of situation where I had parents like, hey, you know, your kids are telling my kids there's no Santa Claus and it's ruining their their Christmas. So I had to sit down with them and go, you know, there's a lot of kids on our parade. A lot of kids are going to believe this. And, you know, just 
kind of let them have their fun for now. And yeah. so, you know, but yeah, we, we had the same similar. And it's maybe we're doing that, something good then raising our kids about the true meaning of Christmas. It, it's so sad that we have to do that though. Mm. It's, it, it's just terrible that we have to go to those lengths and we have to, you know, not tell our kids to lie to other kids, but just to, yeah. you know, just, what, you know, what an opportunity to, to really tell them the true meaning of Christmas. Right. right. Well, I was, I was proud of, of Anna and I told her so yeah. and I said oh, you, did, you didn't do anything wrong I want you to yeah. know that but will we respect the authority of your teacher because that's a Christian virtue too to respect authority so but hey going back to to Mary I'm still still thinking about what we've um, talked in the past about not just the the fact of of her uh, you know bearing the the son of God being the mother of God and the fact of Jesus taking his true humanity but why do we feel we have to sanitize uh the birth I, I i again scripture doesn't give us details but i have no problem with the fact that there is the blood and the glue goo and um maybe mary was screaming for an epidural i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh who know i i don't think it well, was I, like I don't acne. think, I don't I think, think she it, like needed an episiotomy or something but no i, I, I think it's it, a birth and why do we take that away from jesus as being I, a true human birth I, I, he didn't I, just come like miraculously plopped out in a, you know, the manger of hay, you know. I think it was a, a normal birth. Sure. I don't think it would have been. An, uh, she would have been screaming for an epidural, maybe a piece of wood to bite on. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, know. because this raises the question too, because that was part of the punishment on woman. Yeah, is this? I've always wondered: is that in in pain you will bear children? Okay, right. now Jesus is obviously a unique a one of a kind child Situation, never sure. been never will be again a virgin birth here this child has no sin conceived by the holy spirit but yet he's a real baby and sure. that's still a birth canal and are we going to deny the humanity of uh of the situation by trying to say oh well this is a special thing here i don't know sometimes i think mm. we we open up a door that we don't want to open up when we try to explain jesus's humanity as being something less than our own. Because what I love about the story of Christmas and what, what and I think Epiphany takes it in a new direction, but is that it is, it is as much Jesus's humanity, uh, maybe more so than his divinity that is at root in our salvation. Jesus overcame sin as the obedient man that we were not. Sure. You know, because I've heard this argument fast forwarding maybe to Lent where Jesus is in, in the wilderness uh, with the, the devil being tempted, right? Sure. After his baptism, he's driven out. And here Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. He's obviously hungry. I mean, who wouldn't be as a true human being? And he has this confrontation with the devil and the temptations that are recorded. Well, what I've heard is, be, oh, yeah, well, yeah, what's the big deal? Jesus is God. So, of course, mm -hmm. you know, he's going to beat the devil. But I think they take something away from that confrontation by just dismissing it on the basis of Jesus's divine nature. It's his human nature that I think that he really confronts the devil and overcomes. Yeah, you're right, because he's the second Adam. See, uh, who, who succumbed to, to the devil's temptations was Adam and Eve right. that, that succumbed to those temptations. They screwed up, and right. Jesus overcomes. Right, and so when, when, Jesus, when Jesus overcomes by the word, he overcomes satan by the word he's taken it back that's what he's come to do he's come to redeem so he's redeeming eden 
right back from Satan. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that 40 days in the, in the wilderness, those represented 40 years that the, the Jews wandered in the desert, desert in their disobedience. He's, he's there for 40 days. He's taken that back. He comes to redeem everything. He He takes everything back. He is the new man, the new Adam. He does what at the first Adam or what we didn't and can't. We're born natural enemies of God, concupiscence. We're bent on selfish desire and such. But see, that's the thing that I think starts, I want to get, I want to get it right from the start with Christmas, is that Jesus is really a human being, a true man. I understand true God. He has to be that, the, the personal union of, of God and man in Christ. That's the definition of incarnation. Right. God made man. But I think sometimes as Christians, we put such a heavy emphasis on the divine which there's a time and a place for that. I mean, against the Arians, you betcha. Let's dig sure. our heels in and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. But at Christmas time, I like to put the emphasis on the humanity. I think that's the whole point of it, that he's born of Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, but born of Mary. Well, real baby, real body of 10, 10 fingers and toes. I'm sure he, he has, cried. Do you think uh, baby I, Jesus cried? Oh, yeah. You know, when he was in the manger, why wouldn't he? I mean, this idea, oh, no, Jesus didn't cry. Jesus didn't need diapers. He was potty trained like the first day yeah. out of the womb. Why do we have to, why do, we have to do that? Uh, because somehow we think we're, we're being blasphemous or derogatory if we talk about Jesus as a real human being. And Mary and Joseph as real parents struggling with some of the issues of raising a child like every other parent does. I love that about the Christmas story is its humanity and and it's right from the start well he has to be one of us he has to be human to redeem us Uh, otherwise can't take our place if he he can't take our place and he had to be god because only god can do this type of a rescue mission a a created being cannot do it no but he has to take our place under the law he has to die so jesus is not a hologram you know we're not docetists that believe that it's just some sort of a projection of humanity we're not adoptionist either is that you know, this poor Schmo, this Nazareth guy, you know, was out there and then all of a sudden this, the, the, the Spirit of God comes upon him and he's designated and kind of almost Shanghai as now being the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and that's the guy that gets crucified. See, it's all this misunderstanding of Jesus' personal union, of being true God and true man, either putting too much emphasis on one or the other or misunderstanding that interplay between the two. But I think sometimes I have found in, in our, our uh, Christian conversations, that we, we don't want to talk about the humanity of Christ. We don't want to talk about uh, Mary as the mother of God. We don't want to talk about, you know, the, the nature of, of, you know, where did he get his flesh in the womb? How did that work? I mean, uh, uh, it's it, a mystery. It, yeah, it is. And see, there, that's, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with Christians saying that some of these things we can't necessarily have a clever explanation and fill our books with volumes of knowledge. Some things are just a mystery. Well, and I was, you know, I was reading, uh, Luther was talking about uh, in, in his uh, lectures on, on Genesis, uh, how, how, how Rome was even kind of uh, um, allegorizing uh, the, the, when, when God says that, that, uh, he will crush your head when he's talking mm-hmm. to Satan, giving the curse, and and uh, he puts enmity between you and the world. Okay, yeah, Genesis three fifteen, the yeah. first gospel, right? Right, and he will crush your head, and and how some of the church fathers allegorize that as uh, that she will, 
they mm. replaced he with she. There you go. Uh, to try to can't... try to to build Mary into, uh, you know, uh, a super human, like Wonder, like of, Wonder Woman. You know, just just a, a regular human being. She was flesh and blood. Uh, you know, she. You know, when when Jesus was twelve years old and they couldn't find him, she she was rightly, you know, freaked out. Sides herself. Know? Yeah. Where yeah. are you? And then scolded him a little bit, you know, like, where right. were you, you know? Right. Show so, us greater respect. And I'm in my father's house, Mom, what did you think, you know? So you're right. She she was in every respect just like, uh, you know, a, a regular mom. Real mom. See, we we I think that allegorizing is when we're struggling to make an explanation, and we can't make a plausible one that fits within some sort of a... I guess a science matrix or something like what well you know what percentage of DNA did he get from Mary and all this kind of stuff. Well, we can't explain things uh, in in that tangible way. Well, then the next option is to allegorize it, to look for metaphors and symbols, and that really didn't happen this way. But this must have meant that. And it's like no, no, it's M- Mary had a baby. The baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit and uh, came in an ordinary way, grew up like any other kid would grow up. I am so glad the Bible, even though I'm an advocate for looking at the humanity of Christ here in my discussions uh, today, I'm so glad, though, that the Bible doesn't belabor Jesus' childhood. I think it would have taken us away from the point. It picks up pretty much, except the 12-year-old uh, right. Jesus and the, you know, the presentation in the, in the temple is is another follow-up where he meets Simeon and that great nunc dominus, you know, my eyes have seen yeah. that salvation. You know, we, we really don't have much about Jesus's uh, growing up. And and we pick it up with him, you know, meeting John the Baptist. In fact, right. Mark's, Mark's gospel doesn't even have anything about Jesus's birth. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's Luke and Matthew. And right. John, you know, the later gospel, just basically the word becomes flesh and dwelt among us, which is a great Christmas text. Well, these guys were were uh, Jesus told them, "You will be my witnesses," and so they were. They wrote down what they saw. Right. Now, you know, Luke goes back and probably interviews Mary for a lot of Jesus's early life. Right. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he got that from firsthand. Mary yeah. herself, you know, for the kind of information that he chronicles and details, and Matthew fills in some other gaps. You know, he's the one that tells us about the wise men. It's right. one of the. It's just. One of those, uh, I'm not going to say dubious because that means doubtful. It's just one of the, the, the less articulate areas of our Lord's advent, his coming, is his, his birth. The Bible spends much more time with his teaching, his miracles, his death and resurrection than it does on his birth. And, and maybe that's why some feel, you know, let's try to, you know, fill in blanks that Scripture doesn't give and create stories that aren't in the Bible or... I think theology uh, that isn't supported by God's word. I don't I know. Think, I think what is given is given uh, in his early life. Uh, his genealogy uh, is given to fulfill scripture so that we can see that scripture has been fulfilled in the Old Testament. Um, right. That's why, that's why I think a lot that's of Matthews, yeah. Yeah, early, his, early, his, his early life genealogy. Uh, the birth, the birth uh, account, where he was born, the flight to Egypt, all of these things were to fulfill scripture. And look at that part of it, the genealogy that both gospels with a little tweaking, both represent Matthew, kind of his legal standing through uh, Joseph and Luke picks up, you know, directly from Mary's line. But the idea that this promise of God, this spiritual 
you know, mysterious promise of a woman bearing a son that will crush the serpent's head was carried through the lineage of humanity, yes, mankind, the covenant some, people of Israel, and fulfilling and some, uh, some interesting characters too. Oh yeah, and not all yeah. you know, not all uh, Jews uh, right. they're into the covenant people. So I mean, that's kind of a neat thing that yes. this promise, you know, that God works through our He comes to redeem, you know, people, but He's He's using His creation. He hasn't abandoned us. No, and there's something even in the falling nature, even in the fact that we are dead in our sin. Uh, I'm not trying to say that there is like I'm not a, a semi-Pelagian to say that oh there's something still good in in man and we can you know figure this out on our own and save ourselves. No, that's not no, my point. I look in the mirror enough to know that absolutely <laughs> we're we're sinful, but yet there is something in in our human being, if not our human nature, to say that we're worth it to God. And uh, I take great comfort in that God has not abandoned us when we sinned against him. And he came pretty close at the flood uh, to say, this was a bad idea. I'm going to just, you know, cut my losses. But he didn't. He preserved Noah and his family. And that covenant promise through them, you know, Seth becomes then uh, that that, uh, that child from Adam and Eve. And then uh, Shem is the one uh, from the sons of Noah. So, I mean... It's grateful. I'm grateful to God that he used his creation, his, he used his humanity, because it underscores to me that we're precious to him. Yeah, we're, we, and God is our father. It's interesting, Luther, uh, uh, Luther has said that uh, using, he, he kind of he used this example that a father will put a son out of the house, mm-hmm. but still leave him in the will for an inheritance. Mm-hmm. When yeah, I like he's that. talking about his, uh, you know, his, his his lectures on Genesis and how he put Adam out of the garden. Yeah, but, but he didn't but left him, an, him. Right, he left him an inheritance. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, what an insight. See, I love those. I love, I love that irony of of that. It's, it doesn't end like we think it should. I mean, you, you sin against the Almighty Creator. You're judged for that sin and cast from paradise. How can that end well? Well, Bethlehem got got that ball rolling. That's how it ends. Well, actually, at the end of time when Jesus comes back, which brings us back to Advent. That's why I say you got to really talk about, this is what I think where we started with. You can't just talk about Christmas. You got to talk about Advent and Adam and John the Baptist and, and all of that. And then you got to talk about those those Gentiles, those wise men from the East. We're included and invited to the party too, not just right. Israel. Right, you know, we are we are very much in in in, in God's heart. Uh, we have seen that great light. Son. Yeah, light to lighten the you know the nations, uh, the Gentiles, and the glory of the people of Israel. So I am glad that we are are certainly uh, God is mindful of us too, because much of the story of of uh, redemption via Jesus's humanity is Jewish. I mean, it's you know. Jewish mom born in Bethlehem, the city of David, you know, Bethlehem, the house of bread. And then uh, his crucifixion outside of Jerusalem. He comes from Nazareth, you know, his his apostles, uh, the the first disciples, all Jews. The church begins there in Jerusalem before it begins by Paul to be taken to the Gentiles. So it's it's very much a a Jewish story. Yeah, he came to his own. And And that's the humanity. Yeah. Yeah. But they... Yeah, they, they, yeah, they would not, or many, most did not. Man, yeah, many didn't receive him, right? There but, were some. Uh, 
Yeah. Oh, obviously so. So, I mean, uh, the human part of this whole discussion, I, I cherish that. And I take nothing away from, you know, God became man and that Jesus Christ is Lord. I take nothing away from that. And, I cherish and, that. And that's really epiphany, isn't it? Is, it is. is where we, we talk about Jesus manifests. Well, that's, yeah, there's that word manifest from epiphany. See, what Christmas, I think, puts the emphasis on Jesus' humanity, epiphany reminds us, and for what, seven, eight weeks afterwards, before then it ends with transfiguration, uh, epiphany reminds us that, okay, just so we don't get too carried away with Jesus' humanity, remember, he is also the light in the darkness. Yes. I mean, he is the light of the world. If we see the first Sunday after the epiphany is Jesus' baptism. What happens there? He means anointed by the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So it's not just, okay, these wise men give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. End of story. No. See, again, the church is wise in that we carry the conversation beyond a holiday and it, 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 uh, or a party or, or some sort of limited fashion. The rescue mission has to continue. And we make it for a conversation for weeks. So Christmas, we talk about it's coming for four weeks. Twelve days, we celebrate it. And then another seven, eight weeks, we continue that discussion of the one who came. And uh, then we end it with his transfiguration on the mountaintop, where again, what is that? Hey, this is not just a human being. Uh, he yeah. shines with the glory of the sun. You know, and we're reminded that he is divine as well as human. So I, I love that in the church's worship, we, we play this kind of, uh, it almost seems like we're, you know, throwing a ball between Jesus' humanity and his divinity, and we're, we're not. You know, Jesus, there's one Christ. So it, it's unified. But there's a matter of kind of a tipping of, of emphasis. And I think by the end of the year, hopefully, or maybe even after Christmas with Pentecost, we've got a clear understanding then of who Christ is. Uh, for the person especially who may be new to this all, that if they really sit with us each week, which is another, here's my commercial for weekly worship, you can't come once or twice a year and right. understand the story of your salvation. you got to kind of hear how it unfolds. Right. That's why there's a church calendar to, right. to, to bring all of these things together. A true gift of the church is that calendar that we follow where clever pastors don't have to be creative and come up with their preaching series of eight steps to financial oh, independence. No. <laughs> <laughs> we want to talk about Jesus. We yeah. want to talk about, Amen. hey, he's coming. Uh, he was born of a virgin to be your savior. He took, God became real flesh. Uh, you know, uh, people came from all over the world to see him. He's a king and he grew up and we really saw the nature of his kingdom, not by earthly might and, and wealth, but uh, by love and grace. You know, Jesus was no more royal than when he was on that cross with that sign above him that Pilate wrote, King of the Jews. You know, uh, that was where we see the true nature of his kingdom, which is probably why a lot of people don't understand him mm -hmm. and uh, the nature of his kingdom and its importance. And maybe I think this is why they don't understand Christmas and want to surround it with all the, you know, eggnog and cookies, which, by the way, I like too. But that's not the emphasis and the core of my celebration. And I know not yours either. Right. It's, it's that little baby came to die. That little baby was, uh, had not a royal minute in his, in his uh, life on earth. Uh, not by secular standards, not by a definition he, of luxury his, and privilege. Yeah. 
his kingdom was is just not of this world. Yeah. So uh, he didn't so have a place to lay his head. So yeah. let's not buy our, our family presents this year. Let's just not do it. <laughs> <laughs> too late. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've already done it, by golly. And here, what a hypocrite. My tree's already up. <laughs> Is your Christmas tree up? <laughs> well, we're putting ours up this weekend. Okay. I um, tried to you know, it's, a, it's a compromise because I, I really want to put it up on, on Christmas Eve, but yeah. Judy wants to put it up sooner. Well, so. see, I, I, I've had these same conversations. I, I kind of, one year we did it. We actually waited till Christmas Eve and made that a celebration. And it just, it, it, for me, especially being, having to be prepared for preaching and all that, it got complicated. P- trying to be a daddy, a husband, and a pastor all in one day got complicated. So maybe a little bit, you know, we don't want to sound rigid here to our listeners, but I hope they have taken something from our discussion about keeping the emphasis where it belongs on on Jesus' birth as a true baby, a true yep. man, but also his dying and rising again and his coming back for us. Don't forget, and that's part of the discussion. Judy and I did this with our kids, is Christmas morning, go to church, and uh, then open your presents when you get home. When you get home. When you've keep, seen the real gift, when you've opened the real present, yes, this is our Lord keep, and Savior. Right. Keep Jesus front and center. And uh, our kids, uh, you know, they, they, learned, they learned to appreciate it over time. When they were little, they didn't quite understand it. But as they got older, they, they appreciated it. So it's a, it's, a good, it's a good discipline. It's a good habit to get into. I think that's a, a good suggestion, brother. Hey, I love you. Merry Christmas. You. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Well, let's say, let's say. Blessed Advent, because we're in the season of Advent. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a happy Epiphany. Amen. A blessed one, sometimes I put it. I don't know why. blessed, yeah. They're all blessed, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Blessed, blessed, blessed. We'll have a trio of blessings. Have a great, a great holiday season in the right understanding of that word, holy day. Days.